Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a new month of the Comics Collective. Another episode, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Alice. And I'm Lex. And I'm Anne. Man, Alexis and I just, we had so many misadventures abroad over the last three weeks. I'd, I'd tell you some of them, but this. Some of it's still up in the air. We're on the run from the Egyptian military. So we have gotten home safe and sound. No problems. Back to your regularly scheduled programming here on the Comics Collective. And to kick it all off, we are joined by none other than the man himself, Mr. Evan Von Doom. How you doing, Evan? Hello. I'm doing swell. Good. Uh, my last three weeks, let me tell you, huh, I was just working, you know, loading 16 tons. You know, what do I even get from that? Another day older, deeper in debt. Ugh, it's crazy. Let me tell you something. And I'll, I rip from here. You could cut this, though. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with nine to fives? <laughs> Believe it or not, Evan actually goes by Van Dam now, so... <laughs> We're all gonna have to call him Van Dam. Oh yeah, forward. shit! I'm here for it. This will be the week that uh, you're if you're listening to this right now, Ted Lasso just ended, and we're all sad. <laughs> Terribly sad. <laughs> Terribly sad. The marvelous Miss Maisel also ended. I'm devastated, crying, throwing mm. up. There'll never be real television again. I'm just. I can't believe that Rupert shocked Ted Lasso to death like the Emperor. That was crazy. That was insane. I just feel right in the back of the head. I, I mean, they the did. <laughs> they did set it up in season one, you know. Oh so, right, they yeah. Did. It was kind of weird that at the end there was a black screen, and then it said Ted Lasso will return. I don't know how they're going to pull that off. Yeah. What, do we think Jamie's going to find the the Dragon Balls? Do you think he's going to get all of them? I yeah. think he's got this. My big theory: this is all leading to John Wick Five, naturally. <laughs> You're seriously, seriously ignoring all of the Arthurian legend homage coming they mm. brought in the mm. stone of destiny at the end jamie's going to be the new king of england that's a good point that's true we're oh. actually pitching a better end for the show than how it's actually going to end so i appreciate this this is perfect <laughs> i love this season ted lasso i think it's gonna end great i don't know I'm, I'm very optimistic i've been really enjoying it i've seen a lot of people that have been like oh man it's not hitting the same i was like i'm glad i'm not you guys because i'm having a great time Okay, I'm so glad you said that because I've been feeling insane for like the last four weeks because I've been people like, oh, Ted Lasso just isn't the same. I'm like, I, are you? I'm having a blast. I don't know what's up with you. Yeah, it's it. weird because the show is like just a, a, a show that is growing with its audience and like, but the audience is already adult. So like, how do you grow with adult audience? And it still managed to do that. And I think a lot of people are like, well, in the first season it was all feel good. And that's why I liked it. And now I have to think about my emotions. <laughs> I don't think so. And they were saying that about the second season. I was reading articles and I was like, you guys just hate yourself. Like, go to therapy. The me- this message is for you, man. Stop watching this. Go watch Shrinking and then come back after you've done your eight episodes of therapy. So without any further ado, we are going to transition into our topic of the week. We're on a schedule this time, people. We've got an hour to get in. Get out. Talk about whether or not Thor and Hyperion are gay. I guess maybe talk about how Infinity is coming. We're talking Avengers issues 6 through 17 and then one random ass of new Avengers issue, number 7. Which, 
I thought was funny that it was included in here. I was like, oh, maybe it ties in. It doesn't at all. It doesn't. It just exists. They just wanted to make sure we didn't forget that those guys are still doing crime. (laughs) What did we think? Let's start. Evan and Lexi. All right. I... I like these couple of issues. I feel like this felt more like setup than the last part, which is interesting because the first part feels like setup, but then this you go and read and you're like, oh, this is very setting, setting up stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's all kind of like leaning towards infinity right now, but it's even setting up stuff beyond that. So I really enjoyed it. I really love the debut issue for Starbrand. I think is one of the best single issues in Avengers history. I just love how they did it, how they did the reveal for who the actual star brand is versus like what your expectations might be for that. Um, I love Thor and Hyperion together. They're always, like, they're always a good time. They're what Sam and Bobby is to a lot of you people. That's what they are to me. Like they actually got something going on. There's actually like chemistry there. And when they have their big moment, you're going to be like, oh yeah, these motherfuckers fucking. So also, sorry for the two F words in a row. I know that's not what we do on this. And we even got Shang-Chi getting to do some cool stuff for a whole issue. Like, everyone's just like, what do we do? How do we get all this information? They're all failing in their, their quest. And Shang-Chi's just like, oh, yeah, I got it. Like, what? He's like, yeah, I just I just got it. You know, I'm that man. I'm Yo, that guy. Jonathan Hickman absolutely read those old Shang-Chi issues. Because all of those are like, Shang-Chi, it's kind of like Kung Fu James Bond. And every time he writes Shang-Chi, he's like, believe it or not, Kung Fu James Bond. When he gets out of his tux to get down into like the Bruce Lee look, I was like, damn, this is the coolest comic that's ever been written. I pulled my wife over to come look at the page. She's like, this has no context for me. And I was like, nah, look at it. Look at how he's taking his suit off to fight. You don't need context. This is the baddest shit alive. I also love this like Avengers lineup. Like it looks really good. I saved two pictures of it. And... It's like a bunch of people that you expect to be on the team. Some people you don't expect to be on the team. Two random people that you never... Well, actually, I guess three random people you never met before. I think it's a great lineup. And I think it's also very funny that there's nothing in the comic addressing that this is during the Superior Spider-Man era. You just have to know what's going on, I guess. There's no notes. There's no one questioning why Spider-Man is like, like acting mm-hmm. like an asshole all of a sudden. Everyone's just kind of like, dude, chill out. And then him being kind of a, a dumbass. Like, this is the dumbest... I don't want to be mean to Hickman or anything, but I think this is... I don't think he knew exactly what was going on with Doc Ock, because Doc Ock isn't smart in this at all. It's very interesting. I don't know if he's trying to say that people are just smarter than him, or if Hickman just read the room wrong. But it's it's weird just thinking about how he's written this versus in the actual Superior Spider-Man, and how he's, like, a mad genius in that, and in this, he's kind of, like, just over his head, I guess. Maybe that's what's going Mm -hmm. on. But it was just a weird thing that kind of threw me off for a second. But after I got into it, I was like, all right, cool. There's a lot of fun moments in this of Hickman trying to juggle between what literally everyone else at Marvel is trying to do at the same time. Because he's like, oh, shit, now I got to deal with Tony Stark being in space. And he's like, oh, no, now I got to deal with the fact that Reed Richards is time traveling or whatever. And I I think the Reed Richards explanation is my favorite where Doom's like, "I I heard you were like traveling like the multiverse or something. What's up with that? He's like, I'm I'm just here deal with it and i'm like that's not an explanation but you know what he's crazy enough to pull it off and he pulled it off and it was it's it's a lot that switch to superior spider-man got me at first too because i'm like what the hell is peter's issue did he is this are we in the paul era is he upset is mj is mj off with another man i'm sorry it happens you got to get used to it you got to get over it you got to move on um i'm talking to the spider-man fan base at this point um 
it's this it's a fun little bit i this is one of the avengers parts where it's like i like it more at the beginning of this little section than i like at the end because the end is very much set up and i'm just like this is all build up with no payoff this is not fun for me but the beginning still feels like just classic avengers shit where it's the white event happens starbrand shows up and they got to deal with that i like i like the avengers just being like this is the problem we're going to deal with it all the the stuff where hickman gets freaky with the earth evolving and getting set up for infinity even though it doesn't like set me up for, as well for infinity as i'd like it to it's i could take it or leave it the payoff is worth it but it's like <clears throat> it's the it's the building chapters it's we'll we'll get to the point where they actually matter eventually but for right now i'm just like yep we were there i got to see carol in a dress and that's about all that i'm here for so there's some and she got a better great- haircut she got a better haircut, she and did. also one of her best moments ever when she, <laughs> when um Hulk gets launched into the orbit, and she's just like that happened, and Cap's like I need you to go get him. She's like okay, I'll go get him. I'll He's go like, and fetch Carol. <laughs> go on. It's like I'll I'll get his ass, and then I'm gonna throw his ass right back at this guy. And she chucks the or she chucks the Hulk from suborbital levels, and that man falls on that poor naked boy and just demolishes him. That was. That was a beautiful, beautiful moment in history. The best fastball special I've ever seen in a Marvel comic. That aim to be able to 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 get him to land where he needs to land, impressive, incredible. No one else can do it like her. That is true. It was very impressive. Also, I felt like the title of that issue with the little college boy who was naked should have been Naked and Afraid because that's all that that kid was. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine just blowing up your college and then the Avengers pull up and they're like, hello, friend, come with us. And you're like, why? They're mm-hmm. like, we can't tell you that, but don't look at all the dead bodies around you. Yeah, I've had that nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah. It's like and then when you push them too much, they start punching the shit out of you. Yes. I'm like, oh. Okay, okay. Y'all need to take a public relations class, Avengers. Don't attack the teenager. Um, but no, I thought it was really fun. I specifically that story I thought was super interesting. Um, I now can't remember his little superhero term that they gave him. Starbrand. Star, Starbrand. That's what it was. Starbrand. Very fun. Love all the new characters that I'm getting introduced to. They're always a hoot. Um, I love how we mentioned. Thor and Hyperion being cute little gay dads to these little zebra children. I said, "This I like this story. Let's stay here. <laughs> Let's teach them all their valuable lessons." Like Spider-Man. Like I that was very funny to me. The the little lessons with all the different Avengers in their groups. I was like, "Oh, look at Thor playing fetch with his kids. This is so fun." <laughs> <laughs> but no, honestly, I loved the different character development. I love um like the more depth that we got kind of in the beginning of the issues with Captain Universe, like her kind of backstory, a little bit more of an explanation of her character. I thought that was cool. Um, And also just, yeah, just the buildup to all the crazy um, bombs from Mars starting to actually act up in the end. I thought that was very cool. I enjoyed it. And it it definitely was built up, I could tell, but I feel like it was done in a way that I was like, oh yeah, okay, here we go. This is fun. I had like medium payoff for me, but I could tell that it was building to go somewhere. So I'm excited. I really liked this chunk this week and I feel like it read pretty easy too. That is one thing. This Avengers run is very readable. Like people talk 
a lot on social media about this being like a big binge read that they do. And you look at the number of issues, you're like, man, that's a feat. But then when you actually start doing it yourself, you're like, oh, this is this is just fun. Like, it's meant to be read like this. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us have mentioned so far the the aspect of this being build up issues. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot in a book that I've referenced on the show a few times now. I finished The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi, that pirate in the Indian Ocean book that I was reading. And last time I was on here talking about it, I said, I wasn't so sure. I thought it was a little overhyped. Well, your boy just had not reached the not set up chapters yet. Because once everything was set up, once the gang was all together, which took 150 pages, which maybe edit that down. I don't know. It truly became a magnificent book. And so it's had me thinking a lot recently about how you can set up without losing your audience. Because similarly, my favorite book I've read recently was Misery from Stephen King. And that bad boy hit the gas page two. You were like, I'm going to throw up, cry and piss myself. What is (laughs) happening? There was never a moment in that book where you were like, oh, I guess we've got to set up the dominoes. He said the dominoes have been set. Idiots. It's going. He used like two sentences to be like, shit hit the fan, period. We in trouble, period. And it worked. It was great. And I've just been trying to balance in my own head. Like, how do you do that? How do you set up a story as flawlessly as misery without ever being like, all right, well, you have to tell me this so the story can make sense. And I feel like so reading Avengers while that was already on my mind was very interesting because I did still have a fun episodic feel to it. They did a good job of introducing specific stakes to what was going on, but I still specifically I didn't notice it until we ended and I was like, oh. Okay, we're done for the week. All right, I guess I get to see where all this goes next month. And so I think he was doing a good job. I think it's just like how we're reading the book that made it so starkly like, oh, all right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, Evan, talk to us about Thor and Hyperion. So here's the thing about Thor and Hyperion. The cute. I mean, what else do you need? <laughs> no, um, I really like how they just formed this like very quick brotherhood, like off jump. Like they immediately saw each other as like very similar walks of life. You know, two powerful white dudes that are basically like Superman, like God with God complexes, and one a literal God. And I think it's really cool to, that they they're just like slowly going on this journey together of trying to like refigure out their place like thor's kind of defined his own place in the marvel universe hyperion is still new to it and i think they're slowly like, coming to the middle ground where they're both questioning uh what they really bring to the team or like to the they can bring to like like the kids for example is really what brings them together so i don't know there's something about just the way they talk to each other and open up to each other specifically and they take that downtime to be like hey let's deal with this together you know if there's something you want to talk about we'll sit down we'll talk about it <clears throat> and then you know, after the battle, we'll like go out for drinks or whatever. And it's all just like the quiet moments, like, like the, I feel like the quiet moments we got in this arc were always with Hyperion and Thor. It was just them sitting down and reflecting on, you know, what happened in the issue or what's to come. So I don't know, there's just something special about 
whatever bond they have going on, it's brewing there. And it also helps that I know where it's leading to. So I'm kind of just like, you know, I see the end game and now I'm seeing how like the steps are being taken to get there. So, and I just love Hyperion as like this conflicted, you know, accidental fascist character. <laughs> he comes from a world where he's just like, fascism worked for me. And now he's in this other world where he's just like, can it work here? We'll find out. We'll all find out together. <laughs> As Thor, a family. And the, and the Thor kind of being like, yeah, I'm with you, man. We're all going to do this. It worked for us. We got a monarchy still. That's funny <clears throat> Not helping those Avengers or cops allegations. No. No, this that run does that no favors. <laughs> this run has big Avengers or cops. Yeah. I, I, um, I felt that especially where it's like they, they go to talk to Starbrand and I felt like that talk could have lasted a lot longer, but it very, very quickly escalates. Well, we know yeah. the police are really good at de-escalation. Yeah, yeah. That's true. In America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Avengers are setting setting the tone there for how most interactions go. <laughs> um, I loved the spy issue. I already referenced Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. And his badass moment. But like every one of those stories was fun for me. I loved just Avengers Casino Royale. I think this run actually does a really good job of breaking this massive team into different little polycules that you get to follow around. You know, you're like, ah, here's these five little funky freaks over here. Ah, here are the five fascist funky freaks over here. Ah. Bruce Banner is purple in this one and he's divided the room by left hand and right hand the real binary (laughs) and I just couldn't help but laugh and smile and be interested every time we got looped Uh into something new I feel like the hopping around nature of the narrative made it very easy to stay engaged oh yeah that's it's it's one of my favorite issues too I just I it's the it's funny because it's the first issue in a while that gets to focus on Carol for a little bit, but she's not my favorite part in it. I think my favorite part in it is um, Sam and Bobby and just becoming BFFs with the AIM agents. I think that was um, a load of fun. I love that they go to casinos with their completely dressed up, but with their hats on. They're like the the hat stays on during sex. They're, They're that those kind of freaks, and I love them for that. They're committed to branding, and I love that shit. It's all about brand synergy for AIM. Mm-hmm. They said, you represent the company no matter where you are. You're a part of the AIM family. Yeah. And the Avengers got that too, because I love that um, Bobby's like, Sam, show him what dress to party. And he, he pulls up. He's like, boom. He does his Superman moment. He's like, yeah, I'm Cannonball. <laughs> uh, you probably don't recognize me because this is a new costume that I've never worn before. But boom, this is Cannonball. <laughs> exactly. I was like, what costume is that? <laughs> It was definitely a Superman S moment that just was not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Lex, what did you think of the casino issue with the Avengers? I thought it was super fun, actually. Um, I feel like it was like the perfect amount of like, oh, here's a little fun side quest we're going on. <laughs> like, we're going to go to Vegas. We're going to get drunk and get all these aim guys drunk also which i thought was hilarious with them all passing their helmets around and be like we never get a vacation i don't want to work no shut up doug like that <laughs> is the funniest thing <laughs> that poor guy doug why'd they tie him up why'd they take his helmet he just has to sit there 
But I just felt like it was fun. I feel like it was the perfect level of like a little bit chaotic, but like a little bit Shang-Chi just being a badass in his own little side, his own little side quest of the side quest. Um, and I just thought it was fun. I loved um, angsty Natasha being like, you know what? I don't have time for this. I just want to kill every single person in this building. And they're like, no, please do not do that. Please don't. We'll compromise. Compromise, please. And I just thought it was really fun. I really enjoyed that one. I and loved it. That, that Natasha, she's like, just let me rip off some fingernails. I just want yeah, to rip off some like, fingernails. Well, Girl. Put the back in his mouth when he's not talking. <laughs> she's like, have you never gagged someone before? You are yeah. all virgin losers. Amateurs. I swear. <laughs> Do we think Jonathan Hickman is a funny writer? He definitely tries to do a lot of jokes, but in your head, do you think like, man, this guy's pretty funny? Or is it always just like, ah, there's a joke? I think his humor works really well when it's with the character, but it doesn't work really well for me when he's very clearly trying to be funny. Like the murder Mm -hmm. world, for example, he was very clearly, it was in character, but it was also still him very clearly trying to do something funny. And for me, it failed. But then, you know, uh, the like the issue where it's like Peter Parker and Johnny Storm in the apartment. That was a funny issue to me, even though he was trying to be funny, but it was very still in character for them. And the characters kind of moved the humor forward. So when he, whenever he focuses on character first before like genre or world building, it's usually what he works best for me. And it, it, it especially works for humor. I think a lot of times it falls flat because Jonathan Hickman works with a lot of very, I, I'm, I'm saying this and then I'm real, thinking about Murder World at the same time. I'm like, well, that can't be it because that definitely wasn't the type of artist he worked with then. But I'm thinking like he usually works with a lot of artists who primarily do like very realistic work. Like it's very hyper detailed, hyper realistic. And it's just it's not the best art style for comedic timing, um, comedic approach, comedic faces. So sometimes I feel like it gets lost in the mess where it's like someone's like, I'm not sure how best to illustrate this comedic beat. So I'm just going to kind of make them have a normal face and it doesn't land as well as I think it could. I think there's a lot of moments in here you could read. as like, I'm not sure if that was a joke or not, but I'm going to kind of chuckle and just move along anyway. It's not his strong suit. And I think it has partially to do with, I'm not sure if he knows how best to execute. And also I don't think he's working with the best artists to get that across. These artists are great for huge, bigger-than-life action, though. And they succeed at that every single time. When you go. Oh, I was just going to say, I have to agree. I feel like it's 50-50 for me. Like, I feel like I can tell when he's trying to make a joke, and 50% of the time it's actually funny. So Mm -hmm. I agree with both. So I have another Alexis question. Mm -hmm. Because the rest of us have read the rest of this run up to this point like i said i was unsure what i have and have not read up to this point Mm -hmm. but after infinity i read it all and so i want to know alexis that signal that goes out on that really cool page where you see the signal spread out across the panels Mm -hmm. and then hits that little fellow that says message received (laughs) so we learned in the early issues that's a builder right those are the people that made the universe Mm -hmm. what do you think's coming like, what happened since the builders got know. their message? That, like, sent chills through me. I said, oh, no, we're getting into it now. Here we go. I feel like I, I 
kept thinking to myself throughout this entire week of reading this. I was like, I want to go back to the Fantastic Four. I don't like these Avengers. I want to go back. But now I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Here we go. It's not build up anymore. It's a sneak attack. Here we go. Um, so I really don't have any concept of what could be coming, which I feel like is kind of fun because I feel like the stuff that's happened so far seems so out of the out of the world, out of its magnitude for me. Like we have Earths trying to crash into each other and they have to blow them up. We have this kid made, named Starbrand that could save the entire world. Like all this different stuff is so crazy. And the fact that this is like stepping stones, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh, here we go. This is why we're doing a long read. I see. <laughs> So. Oh, it, it gets crazy. It I'll be very crazy. interested next time, Lex. Infinity was definitely a big inspiration for Infinity War and Endgame, the movies. And so I'm very excited to see what you think. Um, Evan, you are part of Brian Michael Bendis Nation with me. How go. do you feel like this team of Avengers... I was just looking at one of the splash pages for this team where you see star brand next to spider woman next to black widow next to night mask, like a really hodgepodge team with a few key characters in the middle. How do you feel like it compares to Brian Michael Bendis's approach of new Avengers, where it was going to be a bunch of characters that haven't been Avengers before being brought in and seeing how it shakes up. Cause a lot of people talk about this, like it's some big departure from Bendis, but the more I'm reading it, the more I'm like, oh no, you're just doing what Bendis did, but with your kind of galactic scale that you like to play on. Yeah, I think the big difference is that Hickman, again, in this run, isn't as character family focused as other Avengers runs are. Um, especially like New Avengers or, um, oh shoot, what's the run with like Captain America, Hawkeye, and uh, Scarlet Witch and all that? Who did that one? Is that Busick? Uh, that was Roy Thomas that did all that. <clears throat> That's old. Pet. That is old. But like those runs are like very like the Avengers are a family first and foremost. Like they're a superhero team, obviously, but they become like this fa- found family kind of dynamic. Um, same with New Avengers. I feel like is a bunch of people who are never Avengers who always knew each other though. Like you got Spider Man, Wolverine, Ben Grimm. So they're all like, oh, we're we're friendly. We know each other, you know. So they kind of have like all these friends and people who never were Avengers get a chance to like shine. And be kind of their friendship develops into more of a, a family while they're on the team. And I think for again for Hickman, he's all building up to like this grand scope thing. And since he's f- so focused on that scope, the character moments are more individual, with some exceptions. So you get moments of like uh, like like with Hyperion and um, Thor, where they're becoming buddy buddies. And you'll have like uh, Starbrand and the guy whose name I cannot remember, uh, the white event guy. He's like bald, black. Uh, night, night mask. Night mask. So you have like them becoming buddy buddies. But it's all individual friendships that are being developed here. Instead of like this found family thing. Or even like friendships that are coming into it. They're not being expanded upon into a more group dynamic. So you have like Sam and Bobby, Jessica and Carol, Steve and Tony. They're all coming in as duos. But are they really meshing with the rest of the team? Not really. And like and then you have like Superior Spider-Man, for instance. Maybe this is like, I'm not trying to blame Dan Slott. But it could be Dan Slott's fault that Hickman had to like throw in this character that originally 
from what I read, I remember Hickman saying that he had a bigger plan for Peter Parker, but then Dan Slott, you know, had his story. So the plans for Spider-Man had to change. And so Spider-Man kind of got kicked back a little bit more. So, um, which is a shame because then you, like on the flip side, you have like Fantastic Four Hickman where Spider-Man becomes like the heart of the team for a second while Ben Grimm's kind of grieving uh, over the loss of Johnny Storm. So we kind of miss that heart again in this team. So I think that's a big difference is that Hickman's, one has other factors affecting his story that Hickman, or not sorry, that Bendis really didn't have to worry about because he was just like, I'm going to do my own thing because I'm Brian Michael goddamn Bendis and no one can stop me. Literally, I can reveal Clark Kent's Superman and none of you can touch me. And then he does. But Hickman kind of at this point was still like, and also he's like more collaborative, I want to say, than Bendis is. And that's no disrespect to Bendis, but Bendis always was just allowed to be like, oh, Bendis, what do you want to do? And Bendis will say, I'm going to do this. They're like, but what about canon? And he goes, what about it? I'm going to do it because it's fun. And he does it. Whereas this Hickman be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fix, fix into the canon. And everyone's like, well, I want to do this and this. And this is happening at the same time. Tony's in like Guardians of the Galaxy. And so Hickman's always bending to other people's, you know, plans. Which, again, isn't a bad thing, but it just kind of makes this team flow a little bit more different than I think he planned and from what we're used to with Avengers. So we kind of depart from this uh, team that becomes a family to just a team. I like that. I hadn't even thought about how much Hickman's collaborative nature is already apparent here. Because that's been one of my little snot-nosed complaints about Krakoa. Is there are times I was like, I wish you would just tell your damn story. I wish we wouldn't do what everyone else that isn't you wants to be doing. Like, I'm here for you, my man. Like, I'm not here for whatever. I'm not going to say anyone's specific names, but I have some in my head. <laughs> wants to do. <laughs> but you can already see that in this Avengers run where, and I think he does it pretty eloquently. Um, I really liked the Tony Stark one that was like, we're going to address real quick that this is just advanced AI, so it's like he's here anyway. Close that mask again. We're not thinking about it. He's in mm-hmm. two places at once. They Iron Man 3'd us. It was, it was great. <laughs> also, this Iron Man suit is sick. Shout out. I love to, the black and gold. Dude, the black and gold is such a good look. Ooh. And I have an and question about this. Mm-hmm. So in the grand scheme of superhero teams where the percentage is one woman to a seven person team on average (laughs) how do you feel our female characters are faring in the avengers lineup are they getting to do cool things are you feeling excited about it i want to hear from our lesbian correspondent carol ann i mean they're pretty present in the they're there there's definitely some cool moments like i talked earlier about carol getting to chuck the hulk at a baddie which is always chef's kiss um and there's that moment where smasher lands like several dozen planes by herself which was also cool um but so far i don't think any of them have really been the epicenter of any particular storyline like we've had the moments with hulk and hyperion and they're um and their kids, they they got to be their gay dads. They got to focus there. We, of course, have everything in New Avengers where, you know, the boys are plotting war crimes. And the one thing that the woman did in New Avengers is like, hey, we should go to war. I'm like, Shuri, this isn't you. This is some boy shit. You need to, Shuri, step down, please. Don't don't fight the fish people. <laughs> I don't want you to fight the fish people. Um, and I don't I don't know. It's just. 
I we haven't gotten a single and we'll get into this more in the next um the next chunk because there's definitely a moment where it feels like they were set up for Hickman to give one of the um one of our girlies the the spotlight, but then he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna let Kelly Sudaconic do it. She's got a book going on. We'll briefly address everything that happens here, there, and we'll move on. And I don't have to deal with it. And I'm like, it's it's good that they're there, and I like seeing them. I like that not an issue goes by where there's not at least one character where I'm like, okay, I want to go kick some ass, but they just they aren't given the spotlight. I feel the way that some of the other characters are. I wonder if that's a byproduct of none of them being in the new Avengers. Because, like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't point to this Avengers run and say anybody's having a great, like, by themselves time, you know? <laughs> like, it is very a you're all chess pieces to this story kind of book. Whereas New mm-hmm. Avengers is a lot more of the character driven one. And that's one where they're very poignantly lacking mm-hmm. female characters and female perspectives. I, just, <clears throat> I think it's a. Th- thing I've noticed with Hickman where he Hickman will have his point of view characters and they're typically they're typically men like I'm thinking about the um just thinking about his X-Men run where he had that moment everyone was very excited because the first time she was in a book for like years but Laura and um Sink and Darwin all go into the um I don't remember what it is the the vault the vault thank you and he uses Prodigy as his POV for that, even though it's like him and Laura throughout the entire issue. And But he does love Prodigy. That's his number one man. He does. And he brought and Prodigy back from the dead. Like, it's Laura... crazy because it's like it's not like he he can't tell great moments with female characters. X-Men number seven, which we've talked about here, is one of my favorite issues of all time. But even then, his POV character is still like Nightcra- Nightcrawler through that entire issue. It's just he I think it's partially he just he plays to his strengths, but I can't I don't remember if any of these issues later happened through that point of view. I know earlier there was the Smasher issue and that was great. But it's I don't know, it's just something that I've kind of noticed as I was going along where it's like he doesn't tell from their point of view too often. They don't get to have those big character moments the same way that Hyperion does and the same way that um, Cap and Tony are going to have it later. It's just. Just something I noticed. I like it. Thank you for your correspondence. It's what I'm here for. It's why you pay me the big bucks. Exactly. That's why you get that sweet, sweet, your third of the ad money. Y'all keep saying that as a joke, but we know. We know. All right? Lexi and I know. Getting paid? It's like, we're the millers. We're getting paid. (laughs) (laughs) I'll Venmo you, you cut later, send you exactly one penny. I'm sorry. Yeah, there we go. All that delicious ad revenue. Yep. So what do we think of Captain Universe in this run? Listen, between her and Starman and Jeff John's um, JSA, my favorite gender is slightly crazy Starface people. She's she's fantastic. Love her love her dearly. Hell yeah. What do you think, Lex? I feel very seen by the slightly insane part. Of like that, I don't actually really know what's going on. But also, <laughs> I am the whole universe, so I don't really need to know what's going on. Also, the part where she says, "I am mother," I said, "Yes, yes, you are." <laughs> um, she's great. She's very great. What were you gonna say, Ann? I don't know. I was just. I keep. Th- I made the comparison, and I realized. Wait, they both are so 
so very similar. She has a thing for apple pie. Starman has a thing for sloppy joes. It's like they copied from each other. I need to ask Hickman, like, hey, why'd you <laughs> copy from Jeff Johns? You're better than this. <laughs> you don't need to do this. Yeah, um, it's fun. It's it's very fun. Yeah. And I said I mentioned it earlier, but I loved the little bits of like her host's backstory at the beginning with Shang-Chi. I thought that was really cool. The little crumbs that we got. Yeah, and I need to know more about that. Because that's, that's one of the threads that I never remember going through yeah. this. Is I don't remember how that gets resolved. And I need to know. Which is good because it's keeping me going through. Because I'm like, I know it gets addressed at some point. I just don't remember the outcome. And Evan, I need to hear about your thoughts on Captain Universe. And then we got to talk about your boy Victor Von Doom not being let into the bad girls club. <laughs> Yo. Um, honestly, I don't have that many thoughts about Captain Universe. There's nothing about her that I don't like. I kind of am more... I'd be more interested in her, I think, in a miniseries where we're really exploring the dynamic between Captain Universe and taking over a random host to, you know, take over... Like she, took, she took over someone's life. I feel like that's kind of not really addressed <laughs> that much. Like, the Avengers are just like... What'd you do? She's like, uh, I, I'm controlling this person. She's my vessel now. And they're like, all right. And we get like an issue of that. And it, they really don't even like try to fight it or anything. They're like, oh, could, could we volunteer someone to take this place instead of like this random person you just took? It was like, she's like, no, this, this, this is what I'm doing now. I'm like, all right. And everyone just kind of moved on. And, um, and then the whole time she's just cold and very Hickman talk. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, don't really have any feelings right now. I don't remember if I even like her or not. Uh, and I just keep in my head comparing her to Singularity from A-Force. And I just prefer Singularity as like this cosmic... I don't know. I feel like it's not a drag on Hickman or any type of storyteller does that. But I'm kind of over the whole like, oh, when someone's super smart and super big and universe-wide, they're cold and like very straightforward and logical. I kind of like it more when... I'm more interested nowadays in the opposite of that where someone's like, oh, yeah, I'm the universe... I'm having a good time, you know? This is really sad. I can't really stop fate. But, you know, like Death and Sandman, Singularity and A-Force, those are kind of like the more big transcending gods I'm more interested in Mm -hmm. nowadays. And that's more of a personal preference. So for right now, Captain Universe isn't my cup of tea. And I also just think the story isn't using her in a way that makes her an interesting character to me. She's kind of like almost a plot delivery point. Like she's (laughs) just there to be like, I need you to see this, Warlock, so you can explain to them why this is important. All right, peace. Do your thing. Oh, I'm mother. Uh, we're going over here, and so on, and so on. So I'm not trying to be a hater of Captain Universe. I don't dislike her. I just personally am like I don't have any energy for her. I I no. I think you bring up a good point. I think it's one of the the where it's like I love this run a lot, but it is one of the weaknesses of this run where there's so many characters and so many different things happening. This like you would like to spend some more time with some of these characters in the places where they are and kind of explore that. Like there's a lot here that could be delved into that we just don't get. And it's why I'm glad that some characters like Hyperion do get spinoffs eventually. But like, yeah, they could do so much, so much more. What was your other question, Dallas? I'm sorry. I forgot. What do you think of Victor Von Doom not getting invited <laughs> to the Bad Girls Club? I think that's really funny. I think um, I'm a little surprised the Illuminati hasn't invited Dr. Doom, but at the same Crazy. time, not surprised. Because on the one side... 
Dr. Doom is smarter than most of the people in that room, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, arguably smarter than Reed Richards. I wouldn't say that. He definitely knows more magic than Reed Richards. His knowledge of magic definitely rivals Dr. Strange. Um, like, he, if Dr. Strange wasn't around, Dr. Doom would be the, so the Sorcerer Supreme, like, pretty mm -hmm. easily. Uh, and every time the comments are just like, no, he wouldn't be. I'm always like, I think you just don't want him to be, which is fine, but just say that. Like, I wish the comic writer would just be like, there's no way we're making Dr. Doom the Sorcerer Supreme instead of, like, making up reasons why he can't be it. Because I'm just like, it's very clearly him. He's the most powerful and knowledgeable sorcerer. I think the only reason he couldn't be is because he might be self-serving mm -hmm. and likely would be self-serving. <laughs> but um, so I get why they wouldn't invite him to the Illuminati. But I also think, you know, I, I feel like Namor and T'Challa specifically should be the ones that would be like, we should probably, maybe we should invite him. Maybe we should tell him. And then Reed would obviously be like, he's evil. And then Namor would be like, so was I at one point, but also like he's really smart and also very good at magic. So maybe, he, and also he's the only person, Namor, as of right now, the only people you can like kind of see, and I'm not trying to spoil anything going forward, which I'm like to be very specific with my wording. Right now, the only person that we know that is really, really willing to like just go crazy and blow up planets if it comes down to it is Namor. So I think you need another person on the team that's willing to do that. And I think that's Dr. Doom. So I don't know why no one's been like, why don't we get like someone that's actually willing to do something that we won't do and just keep our hands clean? Like, I know like they're going to like the, in reality, they're not keeping their hands clean because they are setting up someone else to do their dirty work. But also this whole time, they're just like washing, the, they're trying to like wash their hands clean. Like they like Galactus blow up the planet. And they're just like, well, we didn't do it. Like it happened. But we, we tried our best. Like, did you try your best? One of you guys could have fought, Namor could have fought Terax by himself while you guys go stop the Galactus. You guys did not try at all. So that's my cup of tea on that. I I I'm, I think the thing is, like, they let Galactus blow it up, but they didn't invite him to blow it up. I feel like the moment they invite Doctor Doom, they get to stop pretending they're the good guys. Because they're like, we, we handed him the keys to the kingdom. We handed him the loaded gun and said, shoot. That is also a good point, but... And I guess that they're also not desperate enough yet to be like, mm -hmm. we need someone that's going to be able to blow up planets. Yeah. And Dr. Doom's right there. Yeah. But, they still think there's a way around it. They still think that they can be heroes about it. Yeah. Lex, how is your view of Dr. Doom evolving? You've read him in a few things now. Dr. Doom is a character I love, but sometimes I feel like I have a hard time getting a grasp on him. You know, it's like he is very powerful and scary but not in a way that is easy for me to quantify, you know? So I just want to know your thoughts on the character. Sorry, there's a sink running behind me. Hopefully you can't hear that. But um, I think Dr. Doom is a very interesting character. I feel like every time I read something from him, I get something different. And not in like a bad way, like not like he's a changing character, but I feel like he, to use a reference from Shrek, the movie, he's like an onion. <laughs> Dr. Doom is an onion, and you have to peel the layers of evil back. And also, the fact that he has a kid that I can never remember exists until he appears. No matter how many times I read him, I'm like, oh, yeah, you. You exist. You're the medium Doom. <laughs> I just think that he's a very interesting character. <laughs> That's how Victor Christoph. feels about Christoph too. He's always like, oh yeah. You. Oh yeah, you. Victor's like, my beloved child, Valeria. Christoph's yes. like, what? <laughs> what? Dad. 
Love me. See, I can't even remember no. his name. And I read the book with him in it this morning again. I said, oh, yeah, you. You. But um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just very fun. And I, I totally agree with, like, the they're not ready for to, – to, they're not ready to call him in to be the one who actually gets shit done. So because he is like, yeah, I don't care. Nuke that planet. Get it out of here. I don't care. It was over my country. Boom. Gone. He's got the blood loss now. He's just he going for random earth. He's ready for it. <laughs> you know what one of my spicy takes is? Is Stanley gets a lot of guff for a lot of things. That is fair. Like the idea, like Stanley women are a thing. Every single one of his female characters has the coolest design that Jack Kirby has ever made. And Stanley's like, what if I made her unbearable? And also not in the story. And then like zips off into space. But Stan Lee's Doctor Doom is phenomenal. With that Jack Kirby design and like Stan Lee's operatic, crazy, no one talks this way dialogue. That for me is the perfect alchemy of those two characters. Creators is making Doctor Doom. Because Reed Richards is fun but that's that's like stan's character that he's like look i love him he solves every problem with asbestos and i was like stan you can't you got to stop solving problems with asbestos and then jack kirby's like this orange guy is me just a curmudgeon no one really likes him a bit of a fuck up we're like we all like him a lot and he's like they all hated him i was like jack stop it and then they came together and they're like what if we made the greatest villain known to man. And sometimes that alchemy is missing even from the other best writers for me. Like whenever I'm reading not Stan and Jack, Dr. Doom, I was like, I know I'm supposed to feel the threat, but I'm not for the same, for some reason. It might be in the art department. It might just be that Jack Kirby draws such a fucking baddie that you're like, this guy's the scariest guy in the world because they don't establish why he's scary until like his 10th appearance in Fantastic Four. It's just like, look at him. He's terrifying. And so I know like Mark Wade gets a lot of shit for his Doctor Doom, but I actually kind of liked that Doctor Doom and felt scared of that Doctor Doom again. And I'm just, I'm so on the fence. I know Hickman's Doctor Doom in the back half of this run is really interesting and really cool. But I, through Fantastic Four and then even this, he's just such a to-the-side character that I keep being like, give me 10% more Doom to hold on to. Is that a feeling anyone else is having? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't think about it until you mentioned it. I, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> jury's still out. We'll have to. Correct, um, actually. Uh, we'll we'll vote on it and we'll there. come back to you. The peanut no, gallery I, said, shut up. <laughs> I think I love Dr. Doom. I love Hickman's Dr. Doom. He's like my favorite Dr. Doom writer. Um, followed by like, right now it's him. Then surprisingly Al Ewing, who's only wrote him like once, but like nailed it. And oh, then, um, and then I love Wade's. And I know that's also not a popular opinion, but like you were saying, he's actually scary and intimidating and an actual force of nature. But I don't know. I do want more Doom always. And I do think he could Doom Doom up a little bit more. But 
I do also like that Hickman's willing a little bit more to give Doom a bit of humanity than I think that Stanley or even Wade were willing to give. So I do kind of like that he takes him to a little bit more grounded of an area, but he could definitely camp him up a lot. What's that? What comics is it from where Doom is riding a bear? That's from his miniseries by uh, Christopher Cantwell. Okay. Christopher Cantwell's a baddie, by the way. That guy hits way more than he misses. He has a lot of hits. I hate giving him props because I read that first Hellcat issue and I actually really liked it. Oh. He loves Hellcat. Why yeah. do he loves what? that character? <laughs> Why are you mad that the character that he loves that he got a miniseries for is good? Oh no. Don't know. <laughs> I just hate it. I was not principle. a fan of that Iron Man. I was not a fan of how he used her in Iron Man. And then he's like, oh, wait, what funny. if I actually wrote her as a character? I'm like, wait, that's not that's illegal. You didn't why didn't you do this before? God damn it. Fine. He loves that character. Um say oh we talked about how we all liked star brand can we talk more specifically Mm -hmm. about that story why we like it as an avenger story because i agree that was like perfect avengers formula for me Mm -hmm. i thought it was a great introduction to a new character a new power set that was very easy to understand and had a lot of interesting ramifications what do we think of star brand badass costume I love his costume and his design so much. I know he's not the first star brand, but the new universal stuff is very weird to me. I've tried getting into it like once before and I could never understand how it fit in. But I love, I loved his design. I've always loved his design. That red is crisp and clean. And also I just have a thing for characters that are super, super powerful. Cause I think it's really, really cool. And I think it opens up a lot of really interesting areas for exploration especially in the marvel universe where everything's like oh everyone likes marvel because it's more street level and things are more realistic i'm like this man could crack a planet if he wanted to and that's just i think there's so much potential there and i'm excited to see where he goes and having the avengers specifically have to fight this guy as evan said earlier this is one of the best issues ever the the intentional mr x where you're like oh maybe it's gonna be in this smart guy or or, oh maybe it's gonna be in david Tennant from doctor who or oh maybe it's gonna and the the fact that he's in the background of all those panels it's just it's perfect it's a perfect execution of a wonderful twist that leaves you at the end of the issue feeling like oh shoot shit's about to go down yeah, I also like how like tragic his story is. And yeah. I think it's really good that they give him like um, this kind of introduction where he's a background character as you're introducing all these potential candidates of like who the star brand's going to be. It's going to be like this smart guy that we're following or this smart guy that we're following or this guy who's like accidentally a bully or, you know, on the phone. Like, who is going to be? And there's just, like this guy who's always in the background and just a nobody that gets these powers. And it kind of comes up. And they directly address it. They're like, what happens when like a guy who's just a dude who's always been in the shadows and stuff, he gets like this kind of power, what kind of person become? And I think it's really cool that they didn't take it in the direction that I think, you know, a lot of writers would take it. Or like even like if this like if this story was told in like the ultimate universe, for example, this dude would like get that power and become like an egomaniac and like a school shooter type vibe. But they kind of like flip Hickman flips it to be like, oh, just because he's like a loner outcast, like dude in the shadows doesn't mean he's a bad person like we're still human mm-hmm. at the end of the day so i think it was a very i like that you kind of get this hopeful message with him and then he just slowly 
has to integrate into like what it means to be this living weapon now. Yeah. And I also feel like it was really fun to kind of to pull from what Anne said, like these big cosmic characters to see them get to come into play. Like he literally blew up the quote unquote earth's brain on accident. Cause he was like, it was taking my friend Adam. I can't let it do that. So he blew it up and everyone was like, Oh, WTF. We need to take this kid more seriously. Um, and just stuff like that. Like, I feel like that is the perfect, fun, giant, cosmic, comic world that I want to play in. So I feel like it's really fun, the setup of the character that he's getting. I like it. Yeah. Has anyone here read the, the Starbrand and Nightmask spinoff that comes after this run? <gasps> they get their no. own? How fun! They get their own. It is by... Um, I don't remember. As soon as I can pull up the names, I'll let you know. But I just, I never had a chance to give it a read, and I was curious if it's worth my attention. I don't know. It's crazy but, how many spinoffs came off of this run. Yeah. Which I I think was needed. It, I, Like I said, I think it gives a better chance to get more in-depth with these characters. I'm not sure if it enhances the run or not. I think it'd be interesting to go through and read all those. Like, I've tried reading through Avengers World before that spinoff. And I'd, I've never been able to finish it because I'm like, this is just, it's a great idea to give these characters more time, but I don't think it's giving them the right type of time. Where it's just, this feels like more Hickman stuff, but just on a smaller scale with a writer who's not doing it as well. Where it's like, I would have liked something more personal, more in-depth, and I just don't think it gives it, I don't think it gives that to us. So I think I gave up on a lot of the spinoffs after that. But it would be, it'd be interesting to go back and reinvestigate, give everything a second chance. Yeah, I read a few of the spinoffs. Like I read the Hyperion one, and he's <laughs> he's literally just a trucker <laughs> who's going <laughs> on a little self. It's like it's kind of like Superman Grounded, where Superman's just like walking across the country, uh, which a lot of people didn't like that. But I I love that uh, story. I think a lot of people are just like, why isn't Superman doing his job? And I was like, I don't know. Do you always do your job? Do firefighters always do their job? He put like, in some PTO. Man. Leave him alone. Yeah. And also, he's still doing his job. He just wanted to be on like the ground level to be like, what am I missing? You know, I'm always in the sky flying from danger to danger, but when it's on the ground level. And then he like he's walking, he sees a kid getting abused by his father. So he like helps him and like threatens the father to like help the situation. He plays basketball with some kids and dunks on them, which is like the funniest thing you could do as Superman. I, I never got it. When I first came to like comic Twitter and like people hate Superman grounded, I did not yeah. understand because I'm like, that was such a great story. It was so cool. I loved it. But that's what else is comic book Twitter for other than to let you know that you're wrong for liking the things that you liked. That's true, yeah. It's very true. It's also what big brothers are for. <laughs> I feel like I'm nothing but support. Dallas comment. <laughs> Dallas would be like, you like Civil War too? That's pretty cool. I'm I'm here for <laughs> I support you in all of your choices. I pretty generally am like, oh cool, that's nice you liked that. <laughs> mm. uh, um, my just sorry, just real quick. Speaking of Starbrand and Nightmass, you should look at the cover for uh, issue six. I think you'd like it. But go ahead, Dallas. Give me a second. My last statement before we get into listener questions will be: I oh, shit. love <laughs> Jessica Drew on an Avengers team. Spider Woman. Every time she's not on a panel, I ask myself, "Where is Spider Woman? What is Spider Woman doing? How can we get more Spider Woman?" In this issue. And. Dear listener. 
There was a lot of Spider-Woman in this one. There were a lot of times I was like, look at her go. Look at her fighting in the jungle. That costume doesn't make any damn sense. I love it. That's all. That's my last statement. Is that I love her. Spider-Woman was a fun character. How do you like her, uh, I guess, so far in this compared to... Uh, we didn't get a lot of her in this, obviously, but compared to you know Bendis' run. She is definitely less of a main character in this than she is in Bendis' run. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but like the twist in Bendis' run always hurt really bad because I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I love that character. What are you talking about? I always felt a little grumpy. Um, that that one panel where they're sitting there on the beach together, I was thinking for a second, I'm like staring at him like, Hawkeye is all muscle, all all beefcake. And she's over here like, like she is stronger than he is. You're telling me she's got no muscle. She's got no abs on her. Go to jail. Go to prison. You're lying to me. I did love that they were like, every time I get reminded that Hawkeye in the comics actually looks exactly like Captain America. And that's like kind of the point. I'm always like, what the hell is Steve doing there? Why is Steve horny? <laughs> Steve isn't horny. Oh, Steve even horny, horny Steve. Oh, that's Clint. Clint is horny Steve. Okay. Uh. <laughs> What's up, Clint? I miss Hawkeye is dead. I miss cool Hawkeye so bad. I love Hawk Guy. I love the Aha run. Yeah. And Matt Fraction, the one run he ever finished. Good job. And. <laughs> it ruined that character though like everyone since then has either done like the mcu version who is the dumbest like i have no personality i'm gonna walk around and shoot arrows or they do like the schlubby hawkeye i miss thunderbolt hawkeye i think i said this last time we did this he, he was pretty rad i will do that forever hawkeye and the thunderbolts and just hawkeye from that whole era Mm-hmm. is the baddest motherfucker around. I love him. He's so funny. He's so just like cocky, charismatic, the worst, but in a delightful way. I miss him. Whatever writer can bring him back, you will have my eternal gratitude. That is such a wasted character now. Did you read the Thunderbolts, the new one? Mm, yes. Yeah. Was it was like I didn't read it yet. He's not the same. He's not the same. Like, when he starts hooking up with Moonstone just because she's hot, and they're like, she's evil. He's like, but have you seen how hot she is? This is crazy. (laughs) I was like, this is the greatest superhero of all time. The superhero that is just being honest that all the villains are hotter, and it's like, I could fix her. No, you can't, Hawkeye. You can't fix her. He's like, I could. Have you seen me? I'm going to try. That's for damn sure. (laughs) He's like, have you seen me pull my bow back? And Moonstone's like, I kind of like when he pulls his bow back. He's great. He's great. And I'm sorry, this Hawkeye would not do that. This Hawkeye's laying next to Jessica Drew, and I was like, you two could be the stars of something, and you're just sitting here, because he's the boring version of him. And somehow, you're the boring version of you two. What are we doing? That's I agree. Piece. I miss Ultimate Hawkeye. That's a There's a hot take. Dang. That, that is a hot That's also Hickman. He's a piece of shit. I love him. <laughs> He was the worst. You know, he's talking about an ultimate character. Well, he's a piece of shit. Do you have any idea how little that narrows it down? <laughs> like, That's I'm pretty sure. Universe. I can't remember, but I feel like he killed civilians at one point. And I was like, 
Yeah, but he looks cool with that. He had a stupid mask on, like it was like goggles and then like mm-hmm. a mask, like a grifter mask, and then like a bullseye on his head. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, "That's so stupid." Everyone hated it, and I was like, "This is the coolest guy I've ever seen in my life." <laughs> I love him. And then like Ultimate Black Widow uh, turns out to be a traitor and like kills his family, and then he like kills her in the hospital <laughs> at some point. And I was like, "This man could do no wrong." Like, this is the greatest universe of all time. He's the greatest guy around. Oh, what about the murder? Murder? What? what the What? Uh, <laughs> yo, shout out to TikTok algorithm. That's the only TikTok I've gotten to go any type of quote to like quote unquote viral. Yeah. It was my Godzilla one for that. You did a good one. <laughs> Thank you. <gasps> that was on my For You page and I liked it. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. That's I was the first like. I loved it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I said, oh, Evan, like. <laughs> I was really proud of that one. <laughs> I even Should looked we... to make sure it wasn't done yet. All right, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. You're good. You're good. Follow Evan on TikTok. He does a great job. Mm-hmm. Very funny Thank TikToks. You. I like Let's your Jimmy Dean no top on today. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I like that one, club. too. That was hilarious. I was so excited when I saw that. I was just like, I got to do something with this. And I made it and sat on it for two weeks. <laughs> I was like, right, I'll send it now. <laughs> let, us, let it marinate. All right. <laughs> we have one listener question this week from the delightful Penny Green. They write in and say, hi, Comics Collective. I know this is probably a little early for an Avengers question, but I wanted to make sure you get it with your crazy recording schedule. My question is, is there any other character you think deserves a spot on the Illuminati? Can't wait for the Captain Marvel cage match. So Dr. Doom, we can't say because we already said that in episode. Mm-hmm. I have Who one. else? Alexis. Christoph Doom. <laughs> <laughs> Just let him on there. Throw him a bone. Can you imagine Victor and Christoph got in my his firstborn? He would literally kill him. Like you're dead to me. Ah, get him. Franklin would be back in hell in a moment. (laughs) Valeria kidnapped. In the flap of a butterfly's wing, Franklin would be back in hell. Yeah. Yep. That's the only right answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was great, Lexus. You just had the off the cuff. Yeah. Because I knew you would say no to Victor. Namor doesn't know that it's a different Doom. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same one. Namor is like, you fixed your face. That's oh, good for you. Good for you. I must have found a good plastic surgeon. And Christoph's just like, what do you what? mean I fixed my face? He's like, well, you know how it used to be. You know your little scratch. I'm going to change anything. It's like, all right, man, whatever you say. I know rhinoplasty. I've dated Emma Frost. (laughs) Goodness. That is my secret favorite toxic relationship. Twitter hates that one. They're so bad for each other. But when Namor and Emma date in the fraction run, that's the funniest shit in the world. It's very funny. It's so funny that Namor is like the cattiest bitch in the world. And Emma's like, not to me, little man. He's like... (laughs) Sure thing. Absolutely. When they fuck in the water, that's a crazy. I was like, early 2000 comics can have a cookie. This is a crazy comic book. <laughs> Love it. Love. That's the end Ooh. of the podcast for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's over for us. Good job. We hey, if we survived interviewing Tom King, we can survive anything on Twitter. Tom King's delightful. Yes, Tom he King is. is very nice. Um, and who do you want on the Illuminati? I don't have an answer anymore because it's just perfect. Um, I think Beast should bring on Little Beast, who is also currently running around in this era. He's like, come here, little me. Let me show you 
all the crimes you can commit one day. Let me. You need an early start. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you while you're young. Here's how you do war crimes. Bada bing, bada boom. Change that timeline for the better. I like it. I've had a few ideas running through my head. There's like easy ones where it's like you say Sue Storm or Val. And even I even thought Magneto for a second, but I was like, even that's easy. So my two hot takes. First one, Madam Web would be my hot take. She could see the future to an extent. Which one? Which one? Old one or young one? Old. I don't like the young one. I feel I like I don't like the young one either. I think give the young me one's a... <laughs> evil or something. Yeah, with her red sunglasses and her red yeah. trench coat. I was like, that's an evil outfit. And also You're tacky. Yeah. The old one. <laughs> also... <laughs> also <old> sister. <laughs> the woman that is just moments from death with juggernauts running at her for two straight issues. She's like, if I die, I die. I'm not getting yeah. out of this chair. Why did you say this loss? <laughs> She's so fucking old. I love it. She looks like she's moments from disintegrating. Can you imagine T'Challa like wheeling her into the meetings? And she's like, they're like, are you going to help us? She's like, no, no, I'm not. I'll just be here. And then my other hot take is Squirrel Girl because she's mm. literally unbeatable. So what's an incursion going to do to her? She's like, have you tried talking to the incursion? Have it's you tried just like, down? And- they just put her on one of the plants and the incursion just goes, Fuck! I am, Damn it! I, I am being a little dramatic. Damn it! All right. <laughs> All right. Here's mine. I want Destiny and Mystique on the mm. Illuminati. If I can't have both, I just want Mystique. I think that Mystique would be bad at the job, but very fun <laughs> for the story. I would love it. Reed either. Richards would be like, "What are her qualifications?" And then she'd like turn her face into him and be like. I've got a giant dick. And he'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she would just I like the idea of her just like <laughs> making it everyone's face and just going like, what are you talking about? Stop mimicking me. Stop mimicking me. <laughs> Why are you on this team? Like, duh, 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 duh. like that wasn't even clever. <laughs> You're she not clever. In. Shut up. It would just be her and Namor doing that back to back. To back. <laughs> Even Strange like, gets at her. She like turns into a naked version of him. Like, look how weird I look naked. He's like, that's not how I look. <laughs> you could do a lot with this. Look, we're fucked up. Your dick in your hands. He's like, stop it. <laughs> look, his dick's all crinkly like his hands. Ooh, <laughs> dick. Oh, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> only Beast is the only one I know is just like to ignore her straight up. <laughs> Beast like, you guys got, we learned this third <laughs> issue of X-Men. Don't even look at her. She turns into Namor but puts gills on her ass. He's like, that is not how it looks. I can't make things up. I have to copy people. That's all I can do. That's not your power! I only copy what I see, Namor. Stop it! Play really scaly thighs. Uh, Every time I think of Mystique, I always think of the power pack issue where um, to defeat her, they just realize that she can't create additional mass. So she becomes like this big like elephant creature or something, and they're just like, we just have to knock her over. And they just knock her over, and she knocks herself yes. out because she's just like it's basically just her falling from that height because she's not creating more mass to like support her weight or anything. So I just thought that's, I always think it's a funny oh. mystique moment slash fun fact. Good for Louise Simonson. That rules. Yeah, shout out to Julie Powers. Hell yeah! I'm mm. so excited for that Louise Simonson um, Jean Grey book. That's going to slap. Yeah. That's going to slap so hard. It's going to be a bad day for Madeline Nation. 
If there's one person who is not on Team Goblin Queen, it's Louise Simon. So. <laughs> <laughs> all she's of us got- have been... Always been set free for like three years by Cerebro hey, to be like, she's Madeline got- did nothing wrong. And Louise Simonson's like, fuck you. Here's the five <laughs> issue miniseries. I'm about to make her worse. That's why they, they're they keeping her safe in that book with Albert. So, you yeah, know, your she's new fine. secret favorite. Your new Shut secret favorite. I, <laughs> we don't talk about that. I hated a character into loving the character. I don't understand how that happens. That was, and by the way, that was like a less than two hour turnaround. That was insane. Like, mm-hmm. this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. I need him. I want him safe. Being led around by Madeline Pryor with Havoc there being a simp. Come on. It's going to be a great book. Yeah. <sighs> so grumpy. <laughs> anyway, Angry. shall mm-hmm. we roll credits? We shall. Absolutely. All right, everyone. If you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account at The Comics Collective. Or you can find each of us at our personal Twitter accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou Comics. Evan, where can the people find you? You can find me on the Twitter at uh, Evan Reads Comics. You can also follow me at my podcast where I do What's Next comic book podcast and we, me and Dallas co-host and we talk about the monthly solicitations that are coming out for different comic book publishers, including Marvel, DC, Image, yada, yada, yada. Um, you can also follow that at What's Next Comics and at um, What's Next Comics on TikTok. Oh, I'm also on TikTok as uh, at Evan Von Doom. Uh, I couldn't get at Evan Reads Comics, so I did the next best thing. And if you want to support me, you can uh, go read Gene Nguyen Yang's uh, Shang-Chi run, because it's very good. And despite it being so great and what everyone asked for, uh, I don't think a lot of people were actually reading it. I think a lot of people read it enough to keep it going, but a lot of people who always ask for these kind of comics weren't supporting it or talking about it. So go check it out and support it. That is like a one of the best comics of the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Gene Nguyen Yang can do no wrong. And... Shang-Chi actually has surprisingly great comics. Fun fact. I know that I just keep coming back in here like, go read those old problematic comics, but they're so fun. Um, If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review, and we will read it off on the show. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we'll see y'all next week with our episode for rebirth superman right that's what comes after this one mm-hmm. yes ma'am we are doing with the Eric. entire rebirth superman run from tomasi and gleason with eric azana Ooh, awesome i'm looking at the week after that is that official or is that what we're actually i just doing? put that in there but i don't want to speak of it on the pod for a okay. little easter egg okay. surprise cool for a fourth like party of this podcast civil war two. Oh, sorry <laughs> fake fake laugh hiding real pain (laughs) hell yeah we'll see you then everybody bye 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 bye